I was loving what I was doing until I didn't love what I was doing. And it was one of those things that, you know, just kind of realized that this wasn't something I wanted to do for the rest of my life and started to, you know, think, what do I want? What do I actually want to be doing? You're listening to the Mouthwash Podcast. Do you want to do you want to explain a little bit about um so i guess for everybody listening michael is the founder of a studio and um are you guys in brooklyn or manhattan in new york yeah we're in manhattan where um our office is on baxter and graham which is kind of like it's in soho but it's kind of like right in between chinatown and little italy um kind nice. of just like quiet little street which is nice cool right in the thick of it um so michael's the founder of a, a studio called something special studios um definitely on on this we'll uh, kind of get to know a little bit more about what he does and who he is but i think he's done like a really good job of kind of getting the right people in the room um you know from a distance is kind of like what we see um but yeah do you want to explain a little bit about what something special is and you know where it started and kind of what you do yeah um we are a full service creative agency um the company is kind of broken down in two parts um on the studio side is you know us working directly with brands um and we do kind of a range of we offer a range of services everything down from like graphic identity or graphic design identity spatial design a lot of strategy work um and then on the other side of things uh is what we call special projects and that's dedicated to basically our platform for collaborating with artists um but then also doing like self-initiated projects so through that we publish a book annually called Summer of Something Special, where we donate, um, you know, the proceeds to ACLU. And then we just launched a campaign this week um, called Farm to Tables in Need, which is benefiting people in New York City um, that are food insecure. You know, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And we're working with an amazing organization called Green Top Farms, um, who's a friend, a long-term friend of mine, runs operations over there. And... Their goal is to eventually be working, you know, with public schools and serving nutritious farm-raised food uh, to students, which is far from what kids are unfortunately getting served at the moment. Yeah. So we've um, partnered with them and, and have launched this campaign, which is, you know, I'm very grateful. It's been doing really well and we're able to serve a lot of nutritious meals to organizations in need just because these organizations are used to supplying food, but they usually don't have like the ban like they have right now mm-hmm. with people losing their jobs and, you know, the kind of uh, craziness that's been going on. So um, that's a, a new special project that just came out this week um, and something that we're all really excited about. Um, that was really high level, but yeah, that's kind of the, the general overview in terms of something special and kind of how we operate. For the, it's, what you guys just launched the do something special that I'm assuming is something that's been in the works for a while. It seems like perfect timing. Is that something that kind of was launched out of all of this craziness or is that something you guys have been working on for a while? Uh, so do something special is, the ta- is just a kind of like a tagline of something that we have thrown around as something that we've wanted to use. And then, um, you know, this whole initiative with green top uh, we've been talking about, the possibility of working together, but haven't really had the right opportunity. And um, last week, we I was just chatting with with my friend Al, and he 
had mentioned that they had launched uh, a program for because their their primary form of business is is serving offices, but with offices going out, um, you know, and kind of shutting down, they had some free time and and you know they were basically providing meals to people that were working at home and through chatting they, he had he had expressed that they were looking to provide meals for people in need but you know they're a small business themselves so they uh, didn't necessarily have the means to just like donate the food or you know provide like delivery service and all of that so we you know I kind of came up with the idea that we would come in as a fundraising partner um, and help raise funds in order for them to be able to provide those mm-hmm. meals um, and cover, you know, their costs in order to do so. Um, so it was just kind of, a, you know, things kind of lining up really nicely. And, you know, the Do Something Special just kind of came into play and in that we felt that this is a great time for people to kind of uh, help out people in need. And um, yeah. we, you know, kind of came up with this campaign, Farm to Tables in Need. So that was kind of like the the backstory there, but, uh, do something special, I think is something that now we're, we're kind of considering as, um, our charitable, you know, platform and something that we want to be doing more of. So, um, this is maybe, this is like the first time that we've really used it from a campaign standpoint. Uh, previously it's just been on like some stickers or, you know, something small and something like that. But, uh, now I think it's something that we're going to look to, really develop and um hopefully you'll see more of it uh sometime soon nice um is something special something you work on by yourself do you i'm i'd assume you have a team behind you and how long have you guys been kind of going at it yeah no i have an amazing team um and to kind of give a little insight on that we're a really we're a small kind of core team and then we build out um you know extended teams based on the project and that was something that I think we've always brought in terms of our approach. Like when it was me and one person, uh, you know, first launching the studio and then kind of now, you know, we're, we're at seven full-time team members, but at any given time, you know, it flexes up to 20 to 30 people that are working with us. Um, sometimes, you know, more than that, but um, I launched a studio three years ago, coming up on four. Um, it'll be like four this summer. And um, our team is made up of, um, I'll just shout out kind of the key members. We've got Janet, our studio director, um, Joaquin, who's based in LA and oversees our special ops, Jillian, who, you know, was our first um, ongoing employee and she's a lead strategy, um, Jackson, who leads design, and then um, Sammy, who's another designer that works with us. And, um, that's kind of like the core team, but like I mentioned, oh, and then Luke who oversees spatial design. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the core crew. But um, like I mentioned, we, we always kind of have a good crew of freelancers and people that are kind of working with us ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. We feel the same way. Like we wouldn't be anything without the freelancers that we work with. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's, there's some similarities between the two. Um, one of the things I really like about you guys is how open and transparent you are with uh, collaboration. Um, when, when some people kind of do the opposite and kind of like hide under this like mystique. Um, but you know, you are only as good as your collaborators um, just, just as much as your clients and everything. It's not so much um, as simple as like, this is just me behind this. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been cool to see you guys grow and like 
continually to push out great work. And, and I think in large part has to do because everyone is uh, playing a key role. Yeah, definitely. We uh, Community and just collaboration has always been like a part of what, you know, we prioritize and um, something that I kind of am always preaching in the office. And I think my whole team uh, definitely feels the same way is just creating, you know, like win-win opportunities and making sure that like the people that work with us feel good coming out of the projects, whether that's, you know, an artist that is performing or, you know, a junior designer that we're pulling on uh, for a project. So really just making sure that everybody feels good um, when they're, when they're wrapping up the project and, you know, through the process. Yeah. Is the, is the summer something special, uh, something that's new or is that always, has that always been kind of around the annual publication that you guys work on? Is that something that's been around since the beginning or is that an app? Uh, This past, like 2019 was the second year that we did it. Um, and the plan is to now continue that and make it an annual publication and the quick backstory behind that project. Um, summer of something special was again, just kind of like a tagline of something that like we were considering like, Oh, you know, I kind of like the way this sounds, maybe we'll use it for something. And then, um, I saw this, there was this, there's article that the New York times published, um, I guess it's now like two years ago, 2017 or 2018, maybe. Yeah. Like the maybe March or April, 2018. And um, it was, I don't remember the exact year, but basically like in the seventies, there was a strike at the newspaper and uh, the newspaper was shut down, but they had all these photographers that were contracted with them. So they did a partnership with the parks administration where they sent out all these photographers to just kind of like document the summer and um, the photos were never published. And they found the, the film like in like a shoebox uh, in the archive of the New York times, like a couple years ago. And they ended up putting out this website, which they took down now. It was unfortunate because it's a really beautiful website, but um, seeing those photos and just seeing kind of how they captured the summer, but also seeing the way that like the different styles, because like I mentioned, they had a couple of different photographers, um, going out there and shooting. So seeing just kind of like the different interpretations of, of summer and how that kind of came to life um, really struck a chord. And then just in conversation with the studio, um, you know, we came up with this idea for summer of something special, which is a, like I mentioned, an annual publication where we profile the first year is 12 photographers. This past year was 13. Um, and the photographers from are from around the world. So it's not just a New York thing. Um, you know, they're from all different places and from all different backgrounds. And the whole idea behind it is just kind of having people capture uh, what summer means to them. And it could be like a day that they spent, like like this past year, one of my favorite um, submissions or photographers that were featured um, was a photographer named Jules Meyer. And he basically, he shot this... Um, this guy, this kite flyer in a park and it, and all the photos were just these really beautiful uh, photos that he, that he shot in like one afternoon. Whereas mm-hmm. some of the other photographers, it will, you know, one of the other photographers in this past year, um, his name is Jamil Baldwin. And the photos that he published uh, were, it was a group, uh, like basically a, a, a gang that he grew close with and he documented, um, I think for a couple of years, uh, I don't think the photos just came from one summer, but, you know, mm-hmm. it was just kind of the, 
Um, and it, primarily, I, I don't want to go off topic and say that they were from years, but primarily from, from like a couple of summers, I believe. But um, it, his photos were really beautiful. And where I'm going with that is that like it really ranges and that some people with photos that they shot in an afternoon, some photos were taken, you know, over uh, a year. But for, for the most part, um, it's really just nice to kind of see all these different styles come together under one publication. And our one of our favorite parts is um, just kind of mixing different photographers at different levels and that some of them are, you know, established and maybe names that people are familiar with where some are more emerging and, you know, lesser known. And, you know, our hope is that we're able to um, bring their work to new audiences and um, just kind of like showcase what they do because, you know, everybody that we select we're huge fans of. Um, and this is definitely like a project that would not be possible without my team. Julian, uh, my team does an amazing job kind of running point on this and, and pushing the project forward. And it's been this past year, Sammy uh, did an amazing job with the design. But it's been um, a really fun project just for us to work on and something that, you know, we look forward to putting together uh, every year. Yeah, it's kind of like a balancing act once you get all these different contributors from all over the world and then you're housing them all together in this like um, editorial magazine. Um, but it all works so well. How did you guys go about like selecting um, like each uh, collaborator? Not an easy process. Uh it's it's um we kind of look to the whole team in terms of throwing names on the table and then um we kind of edit down in terms of like people that we definitely would like to to showcase and then there's you know kind of like a weeding out stage where you know there's some people that maybe we we would like to but maybe feel a little bit stronger about somebody else and we want to make sure that we're also that the crew of photographers are diverse so it's a bit of a juggling act in terms of, you know, just figuring out who makes sense and who doesn't and definitely not an easy process, but something that um, the studio enjoys kind of like working together and hearing kind of everybody's opinion and then coming to a joint conclusion in terms of like, you know, what we feel the strongest about and who whose work we definitely want to showcase. Mm. Yeah, we found like similar juggling act kind of and even just the podcast, like making sure on one hand, it's diverse and we're getting a lot of different types of people, but also a bunch of different types of roles, whether that's like, like we found in our first season, we did a lot of photographers and a lot of things kind of centric around that. So in the season since, we've really tried to do more like entrepreneurs and like different facets of different professions. So definitely resonate with that kind of juggling act. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a fun process to, to kind of go through and it's enjoyable because we also get like, you know, I always get put on to photographers' work that, that I maybe wasn't familiar with, just that, like, the other team members, you know, brought to the table. So it's, uh, it's a process we definitely enjoy and, and look forward to. Yeah, we – it's funny because, like, we – I uh, some of the people that have been following us for a while know that, like, the, the our whole studio was birthed out of this, like, magazine, this print magazine that we um, – did for fun like three years ago and really the whole basis of how we started as a studio was just from making relationships by asking people to be part of this fun project with us in the same way that we've asked you to be on the podcast or asked like other people to be on the podcast and asked people to contribute to this magazine and um, we've found that like not only are those projects fun but they're really vital to the like longevity of our company and like our relationships and all that stuff and so like with all that going to say like 
I kind of want to just hear from you um, the importance of like special projects and internal projects and like how you guys make space for that and and how you, I don't know, how you like prioritize those things in the wake of like when there's a check on the table to do something that might not be as beneficial in ways that aren't monetary. I'm sure those are conversations that you guys are having a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's one of those that... I mean, I'll, I'll start off by saying kind of the the need for special projects kind of came out of the first year of being in business, just feeling like we had a lot of great ideas that, um, you know, didn't come to fruition for whatever reason, um, you know, and clients maybe not seeing eye to eye with us in terms of like the importance of, of specific activations or things that we were pitching. And um, we felt like there was a lot of stuff that we wanted to produce or bring to life, but, you know, didn't get the sign off to do. And we didn't want to be limited by just like what, on what clients were approving or not approving. So we launched special projects, you know, just as a, a way for us to get behind stuff that we wanted to see come to life. And, um, you know, it's really as simple as that. It's like, whenever we're kind of deciding between like, is this something that, you know, we want to do or not, that that's usually a pretty easy conversation and that, you know, I'm lucky to have team members that I feel like we, while we're all very different and um, I think bring different viewpoints, I think more or less with special projects, we usually see for the most part, you know, see eye to eye and, and can kind of rally behind and get behind similar ideas. And in terms of the balance, it's difficult. It's um, not something that, you know, if I'm being honest, it's definitely one of those things that I think it goes a little bit in waves and that we'll, there's points with the agency where we'll get like super, super focused and um, we'll be wrapped up with client work. Like, you know, in the beginning of this year, um, we had a stretch in February where we had like three or four projects in two weeks, you know? So like in January, we weren't, you know, talking a ton about special projects just because we obviously were planning for, you know, the events that we had to produce or the projects that we had to produce. So it's one of those, um, you know, we, we, there's always a lot of ideas and I think that um, we just try to discuss and figure out what makes the most sense to prioritize and, you know, what's the most time sensitive. And then we kind of squeeze it in wherever we can. And um, there we, we, the team kind of checks me cause I'm definitely one of those, like our client stuff does, it, it has to come first in terms of like, it, it's what drives the business and, you know, um, is obviously what's super important and going to give us longevity, but special projects is, you know, I would say equally as important in that. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's also a, a good reason why some brands want to work with us. You know, they see what right. we do on the special project side. So it's, it's um, from a time balancing standpoint, I guess I would say that um, client work, I'd be lying to say it doesn't take a priority in terms of like those are deadlines that we can't change where special projects are because they're self-initiated um, or in some cases, you know, if we're working with artists, it's usually maybe a little bit more flexible. Um, mm -hmm. But if we lock something in and we announce it, then, you know, we treat that as we would a client deadline and that like, okay, if we're going public with something, we have to deliver, you know, the product on the stage. So we need to make mm -hmm. sure we do what we do to get there. Um, but... It's uh, it's it's a struggle, you know. I'm not going to say that that's an easy an easy divide because it's something that is difficult. And and again, I kind of go back to saying I think they're equally as important. Um, and you know, kind of like one hand feeds the other. In that, 
um, our client work, it, we got to always produce and, and, and make sure that we're getting stuff uh, to our clients on delivery day. But special projects, I think is, again, I think a, a really big element is why a lot of brands come to us and something that if we don't do, uh, I think would take a hit on our business. And that's really not why we do it. Um, okay. Special is something that like we genuinely enjoy doing and is something that um, we have too many ideas for. And that's why it's almost like we, we have to just kind of talk through and figure out what's realistic because if we just, I, I, I really believe that if we just focus on our special projects, we would have, you know, we'd be full in terms of like our schedule. So it's always something that we have to just kind of discuss and figure out what makes the most sense to focus on and then balancing it with what we have from a client standpoint. Yeah. And I, I, I totally feel that. I feel like uh, we're very similar in that a lot of the work that we get um, or even um, inquiries from clients is from passion projects. Um, but, you know, those don't keep the light on. So it's like we have to do both. Um, for you guys, um, I, I think it's, it's always – uh, for people in the industry, like a good thing to see other studios doing client work um, that's inspiring because it, it is a little bit harder. You have more cooks in the kitchen and, and people with different perspectives as maybe um, as, as we do. Um, so when you're able to mix those and successfully do a project, I think uh, it just comes with a lot of respect. Um, but overall, on, on, on the topic of collaboration, um, have there been any pitfalls or anything you guys have run into um, that maybe, you know, people don't know um, because you are including uh, a lot of people and, and it can come across as like too many cooks in the kitchen at some point? Uh, sorry, I want to make sure I'm understanding the question. Do you mind? Do you have you guys like run into any problems, um, whether it's on client work or passion projects um, on the topic of collaboration? Because you have a lot of people putting input and it somehow has to work together. Um, like how do you guys approach that? Uh, so I, there's certain elements that I think we look to different team members for. So like there's certain, you know, there's from a business standpoint, that's usually stuff that I would, you know, discuss and decide on with a couple members of my team. Whereas like something, you know, graphic identity, we would really uh, look to different members of the team. So I think it just really, and not to say that people's opinions aren't valued if they're not like the person that specializes in, you know, whatever the task at hand is. But I think we definitely look to positions in terms of our studio director and our special ops, you know, Joaquin and Janet, I'll call them out by name, other people that you know generally run business with me whereas like strategy and concepting is something that you know i work with julian on so it's like it's very much um there's leaders in specific categories and from a special project standpoint like there really hasn't been a situation where like we haven't been able to come to a conclusion or been able to decide on anything um you know we're, we're usually able to have a conversation and, and and figure out kind of the best way to proceed Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes the problem for us, and this might not be a problem for you guys, but like, I think sometimes we run into the issue of like quality control, where like, we're asking all these people to kind of take part in this thing that we're doing. Um, and then like, sometimes people might deliver a product that isn't what we expected. And it's like, kind of like, okay, well, we kind of asked them to be a part of this. And I think that's just like one aspect that I feel like we run into sometimes. And we're like, man, it would 
it would be, it's always the battle, right? Of like, it would be probably better, maybe not better. It would probably like get across the finish line in a way that we see it if we were to just do it all ourselves, but we probably wouldn't be able to produce nearly as much. There might not be all these alternative perspectives that have actually been really useful to us. So I think those are, I think that's like something that we're thinking about all the time is like the trade off of like, by getting all these people in the room that help us get this thing to the finish line, we get a lot of benefit, but there's also like sometimes more management that goes into that as well. Um, yeah, so that I could definitely relate with you guys on. And that's definitely something that we, we have unfortunately ran into, you know, uh, several times where it's like you ask someone to do something and, uh, you know, they're on board and then they come back with it and, you know, it's not quite what you were thinking, which is, which right. is tough. And I think that when you work with people in the creative industry, like you're going to run into that. And I think if you got back what you were expecting every time, that would be disappointing too, just because then you would never, you know, get any like yeah. happy accidents where like sometimes people come back with something that's the opposite of what I was thinking, but it's way better than what I was thinking. So I'm super mm-hmm. appreciative of it. So I think that just kind of like comes with the territory of working in something that's creative, creatively related, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And then just to speak to, I think for us, at least with our special projects, it's almost broken in half and that it's stuff that's studio initiated where, you know, like the farm to tables, the need project that I just mentioned, or some are something special, which are like projects that we personally uh, initiate and then the other side of special projects are artist projects that we come in and help support um, mm-hmm. whether that's like you know raising money or just like putting forth our time um, and helping them from like a production or strategy standpoint and in that case it's very much like they're really like driving and obviously we're weighing in but it's like it's their mm-hmm. project that they're that we're helping to support. Um, so I think that it's um, the projects kind of they break down nicely in that it's either something like I said that we're leading or that you know an artist is leading and we're just kind of we're helping them get it there. Yeah. What what's your what got you into all this? Are you are is, is there some sort of like background that is either creative or philanthropic that has kind of put you at a place now where you're at with something special? Like what were you, what were you doing before well, this? So I, I, um, I never worked at, I've never worked at an agency. Oh, wow. I um, really had no, no traditional background whatsoever um, in terms of what I do right now, which I think is, has been kind of a, a, a blessing in disguise in that um, we don't. And, and I think, Part of, and I'll, I'll tell you my backstory in a second, but I think that's definitely part of our process is we really try not to overcomplicate things and really deliver all of our decks um, like we're talking to people and don't throw in like agency jargon and, you know, go down that road. So, um, which I think people respond to and, and has helped us just kind of like stand yeah. out a little bit. But um, in terms of my background, I'll give you kind of the, the brief version, but it does kind of, there is like a little bit of a backstory, which is uh, I'm from Florida, um, but my whole like family is from New York, both parents, both my sisters are older, they moved back here. So I would, I went to school at Central Florida and I would intern um, in New York every summer. And I had a internship that fell through, like going into my senior year and randomly, like the week before I was moving up to New York, got an internship somebody connected me with uh, a hospitality group that like owned like nightclubs and restaurants. And 
at the time they had this like pretty relevant uh like it was definitely like a, a good spot uh a club in the meatpacking district which is not like anywhere that i would ever go now but you know at the time it was like 2009 um bottle service type of clubs and just that whole thing was was a bit more tolerable than i think it is now and um it uh i went and joined this internship and it was a complete eye-opening experience i'm from boca raton florida never really been to like a night like a true nightclub at that point and my first night my job was to basically like shadow kid cuddy and kid wow. cuddy was 2009 and it was like right when uh like his first mixtape came out and he was like my favorite rapper and i was like this is amazing i'm gonna do this like whatever this <laughs> is i'm down so i went back to college i continued my internship and i went back to college and i started throwing parties and started throwing concerts and basically these these two guys that were a little bit older than me they own like all the bars and nightclubs in the area and i got them to basically like give me this you know nightclub that the second half of my senior year i was like the manager but like oversaw like you know booking all the djs and programming and at the time it was like there was like a college group of D- of like artists that were performing and it was like big sean and like mike hmm. posner and th- these types of artists and i was booking them and then the office london he like had one song flew him out booked him and you know basically just started to do my thing in that in that in the nightlife space and i moved back to new york and went to get a job with like the same place that I was interning at, but they wanted me to like work in the club. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to like book artists and work, you know, do like marketing and programming and that type of thing. And I ended up switching jobs and got a job um, with the guys who owned One Oak. And my job was to be the assistant director of marketing and the director of marketing basically left. I started there in like September and he left before the end of the new year. And I was like, please let me do his job. I could do this. And they're like, you're 12 years old. Like there's no way. <laughs> director of marketing. And it wasn't that they like agreed to give me the position, but it was kind of one of those things where like they met with people, they weren't really happy with anybody. I started to like kind of do my thing and slowly but surely, you know, eventually they gave me the title and my kind of like pitch to them of what I was trying to do there was, and I don't know how familiar you guys are with, uh, you know, that club or kind of the, that world. But um, the dude, the main guy there, uh, his name is Richie Akiva. You know, he is super good friends with Jay-Z and Kanye and, um, you know, all of these like amazing people that at the time I, I really, really was excited to, you know, be in, in the same room with. And uh, I was like, it's so amazing that you got these guys, but we got to start getting, you know, younger talent and, looking towards like the next generation of artists and slowly but surely they started to like, you know, gain some trust and flew Travis out in 2012. This was the only song he had. He was on the Quill Summer album. And that night met Chase, his DJ, started to have Chase. He started DJing, got him a weekly, uh, like a residency there. And Travis starts like, you know, he starts to, to pick up and start shouting out some of like the nights and, uh, a couple of his records and you know i was booking travis so much that they they were gonna fire me because they're like stop booking this guy nobody knows <laughs> who this guy is and then it was like one of those things that it just kind of like flip you know a switch went off one day and all of a sudden lines started to show up the nights so that we were booking him and you know we did wow. the rodeo album release and a number of other stuff with travis but in addition to that started to just book like artists like the day records were coming out so like the night that the night that like mcconan dropped tuesday with drake 
he performed or like, you know, Ray Schremer, I'm even blanking on what the song was, but like their first hit that like went crazy. We were like the first club to book them in future. And, you know, a bunch of these artists where it was just like, we were really, really early and these rappers wanted to play these clubs because previously like the only rappers that were really going there, and not to say the only, but like there was tons of rappers that were going there, but notoriously Jay-Z was always at this club and, you know, Kanye was going to this club. So it was like one of these things that these younger rappers wanted to get into and they wanted to get into that scene. So it was, it wasn't i I'm not even going to lie. It was one of those things that like, I was smart enough to know that they would want to do it, but it wasn't necessarily because I had these like amazing relationships with them. It was more so I was, I knew to hit, you know, their agent, their managers or their agents. And I got in with them before other people were. So when they came into town, I would get, you know, the text or the email and we were able to just like really continue these relationships. And I was loving what I was doing until I didn't love what I was doing. And it was one of those things that, uh, you know, just kind of realized that, this wasn't something I wanted to do for the rest of my life and started mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, think outside of, um, you know, what, what do I want? What do I actually want to be doing and landed on, you know, I, I definitely want to work in the agency world. And I kind of looked at the other agencies that were existing and it wasn't one of those things where there was like a clear, okay, I want to go work with them or I want to go, you know, I was kind of like, I thought some what, what what some of them were doing were interesting, but I didn't really feel like I was going to find like a new home. And I wasn't really looking to continue to bounce around and, you know, just kind of eventually landed on, on doing my own thing. And for a period of time was like stuck on the name. I couldn't land on a name. And my best friend, Mark, um, he uh, helped. He, it was one of those things that we were literally just like writing down a, a million names and like, just like kind of like the dumbest things and I knew that I didn't want it to be a, I didn't want it to be an agency. I wanted to call it a studio just cause wanted to kind of separate from that. And it was just throwing out like, you know, X studios, Y studios, whatever, you know, the words were. And he hit with something special studios and it was just like instant. Okay. That's it. Um, and then launched, you know, something special filed for the name in like 2016, but really started to, you know, focus on a full time in 2017. And um, Jillian, who I mentioned earlier, who's our head of strategy, she was, you know, the first real team member. There's one person before her, but she's like, you know, the first person that really, uh, you know, stayed with me and 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 I looked to her as like our first employee. And she, uh, the, it was the two of us for a period of time. And um, the we, my first client, was Budweiser and it was one of those things where like we started with like a $30,000 job and then like you know kind of a $60,000 job and I was just pitching them ideas and pitching them ideas and they were like the only real client that I had like I wasn't really in touch with anybody else so it was just constantly like kind of going to them with these ideas and uh finally we got the sign off on this big event um which was called Budland uh which took place in the summer 2017 and that was like our first real, real project. And Budland was in LA and it was basically like the quick version of it. It was supposed to be like a showcase of like the LA creative community at that point. So we brought together during the day, it was like a mix of brands, but also like collectives. We had like, we did it. And that's actually how I met Joaquin. Joaquin uh, oversees the We Did It label um, and him and I met that night and then obviously, you know, reconnected and now he's working with us and still continuing to work and do his thing. And we did it, but 
um, a number. It was we did it around two. Um, my friend Pedro, uh, he had a booth, Unemployed Magazine, a couple of others. But um, basically, that was like the daytime. Of each everybody having a booth, and they each did a collaboration with Budweiser. Um, Babylon was another one. I'm blanking on the others, but basically, then at nighttime, it was like we shut down a city block and had this huge concert um, with all of these LA artists, and it was. Um, like Sid, Taco, Ty Dolla Sign, uh, Schoolboy Q, Virgil, Guillaume Berg, mm. um, a number of others. But the Saturday night, the first two artists that we wanted to book originally were, uh, at the time, it was like, yo, we wanted to get ASAP Rocky and Tyler. And ASAP Rocky turned it down. They both turned it down. They both were, they were not down. And we weren't able to make it happen. But yeah. it was one of those things that like, Friday night, everybody had a good time. Taco was DJing and he came back the next day with Tyler, uh, had a show and he ended up coming with uh, Rocky and during Schoolboy Q's performance, he brought out both Rocky and Tyler. So it was just like one of those really big moments um, for us. And then the next week, um, we had our first event with Nike and things just kind of went from there. It was very much one of those, like the first six months like not to say that it was like slow because it felt like everything was was kind of crazy just because everything was so new at the time but it was definitely like a ramp up and then we hit that and things just started to kind of flow and progress from there sorry that was a really long explanation but you know it's one of those stories that i think is a, a good story to share just in that like you really don't need to have that formal background and like you know i very much think that there's a beauty in in not necessarily knowing uh everything that there is about a subject and just kind of having like fresh eyes to something and it was very much one of those like the first six months people would be like we're gonna send you an rfp and i'm like an rfp what the fuck is that <laughs> you're like googling what an rfp is or you know yeah. <laughs> uh send us you know an sow and i'm like sow what's an sow you know and yeah. just like all these like terms that like i just was not familiar with and very much just like Googling like templates and figuring out as we go. But, uh, you know, now I'm lucky to have an amazing team that, uh, you know, a lot of them have way more agency background than I do. And it's, uh, they, they help, you know, educate me. And, you know, I think it's, it's very much one of those things that we try to do things in our own way and don't try to reference too much of what like a traditional agency does and, uh, just come at it from our own perspective. Man, that's so that's so good to hear. And I'm sure like all three of us are feeling the same way because I think while we do have like some small agency experience, like we had very quickly left. It was at a big agency. I was at like a small agency of people that didn't come from agencies. Ken's has always been from like small design studios. And so we had always like envisioned like it was always that question like, man, this could be done differently. And I think the way that creative industries or creative businesses are going to continue to involve to continue to evolve and grow really is like from that perspective of like, we don't need to understand like the agency jargon or like the, the traditional route. I feel like the people who are going to just make, find a way to make it work is, is really going to be the, the longevity and lifeline of, you know, what creative services look like. Definitely. I think even right now, like during everything that's happening, there's going to be like this heightened importance for these smaller studios that aren't necessarily like these big corporate agencies like 
just being very like nimble and quick and being able to push stuff out. I think right now we're even finding with our clients that like a pandemic is happening and you you don't have two months to like concept and like figure out something on how to deal with it. Like you have to be ready to just go for it. So we found that like it, the, the playing field might be shifting a little bit in the favor of smaller, more personal studios. But um, yeah, it was really cool to hear like that you're coming from that background and one of the things that we were like curious about in the beginning is you do a lot of these like spatial design and stuff. And that's like kind of a unique thing for a lot of studios. So that kind of makes sense with like the event planning and stuff. Um, do you think at the beginning you always like you thought maybe it'd be more of this like event path or do you think you always kind of pictured it as like this whole like holistic brand identity, like start to finish project? Yeah, no, great question. That um, I always wanted it to be more, but that was definitely the foot in the door, and and mm-hmm. something that like I never want to make it seem like we are ashamed of or don't want to do. And I shouldn't say ashamed because that's a crazy word to put it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with events and live experiences and all that type of stuff. Um, it's very much like a good portion of what we do. But I and I think I, you know the rest of the team. We always have wanted it to be more than that in that, you know, I think we can bring more to the table than just events. And the past couple of months, um, more so than ever, we've been getting more identity work um, and, you know, just more like strategy focused stuff that, um, you know, doesn't necessarily have an event tied to it. And um, it's work that we really enjoy doing and stuff that I want to, you know, I plan to continue to, to develop and, uh, it's, you know, the first year I would say it was probably like, uh, definitely like the majority, you know, more than the majority, probably 80, 90% of our work was events. Um, and then, you know, the past two years, it's definitely, uh, scaled back to being, you know, I, it's still a good chunk of our work, but it's, um, it's balanced out a bit, which I think is, is good just cause we, I think part of what, what, what I love about, you know, working, in the space that we do is just that like things don't, they're not super repetitive every day, every week is different. Every project is different. You know, every, there's always new stuff coming to the table and I enjoy the different mediums that we get to touch and not just always doing the same type of project. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with that, but just, you know, for me personally, and I think the rest of the team feels the same way. Um, we like the balance and we enjoy doing, you know, the identity work or doing the strategy type of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, we've enjoyed kind of diversifying our portfolio and not just having it be so event based. There's a, there's a quote, um, says uh, a very important thing is not to make up your mind that you are any one thing. And, And I think that speaks to longevity. You know, you got tired of doing the same thing when you were working at the club, but you know, with something special, like there's ownership and control and like what mediums you guys get to do. And you guys have already been doing it for, you know, a few years, um, which is a lot more than um, some people can say, you know, I think the first year, a lot of people don't make it. But, you know, for for us that want to be in it long term, I think it's important to, to make sure that we're constantly challenging ourselves and, and the mediums of which the ideas um, come out of. So it's really cool that you, you, um, you've kind of shifted towards, towards in a way, something different, but same. Yeah, definitely. There it's all, um, 
I think the approach is somewhat similar, but different. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, our approach in terms of like events um, has always been very strategy focused in that we we don't just like do things because they look good. There's definitely a thought process and not to say that we, we do do things that look good, but that's not the that's not the driving and the only thing that's driving things. You know, we, we want to make sure that there's thought behind what we're doing and that the end product uh, makes sense for who we're trying to cater to. And I think that that's the exact same approach that we bring towards like designing an identity. It's like, it's not just about what we may think look good, looks good. It's like, what, who's supposed to be buying this product or, you know, whatever the case may be and designing towards them and thinking through um, the end user and how we can just make sure that, you know, we're designing the best product or experience uh, for them. Um, so, yeah, I think that everything that we do is somewhat connected, but the medium is, is a bit different. That's cool, man. I, the other, like, one thing that I've been thinking about through all this is, like, I think sometimes we think about, I, I think it's really interesting how you guys have, um, you know, created, like, bigger purpose in your work, like, when it comes to um, community events and kind of serving the neighborhood that you live in or serving the greater good of people. Um, I think advertising in general gets a lot of backlash for like, and not to say that you guys just strictly do advertising, but when you talk about agency and being in creative studio space, that's typically where you're kind of like nestled into. And I feel like a lot of people give backlash um, to advertising because it's like, okay, we're like making stuff to tell people to buy things that they don't need. And, you know, there's all that like weird um, ethical you know, there's a lot of like gray areas surrounding the ethics of advertising or whatever. And um, I think it's really cool that you guys are, you know, make it a priority to like kind of give back. And um, did that come out of like a conviction to because of those similar types of feelings I was talking about? Or is that just something that you've always wanted to do? I'd be kind of curious just to like know where the birthplace of, you know, giving back kind of came from. Something that has always just been valued a lot. Um by myself and I think the rest of the team. I think it's something that we all, it's not, there's not like one member of the team that's like not really down. You know what I mean? Like everybody really um, bonds together over and gets excited over these types of projects, you know? And I think that um, you feel good when you give back. You know, like last week I was I was sitting around and I was just like, to, to be completely transparent, like we, we had a conversation on the Monday, you know, what they, it's like crazy. You like lose track of the days. But, um, you know, the, the beginning of last week, which was like really the first day for us that uh, first business day that we were completely shut down and kind of knew that we were going to be in quarantine and in this position for a minute. The week before we like closed our office. Um, but, you know, we weren't really sure of, of what the situation was. So last Monday we like sat down and we just had a conversation about like, what can we do? And um, we didn't land on anything. And I was feeling kind of restless for like 48 hours. And, uh, you know, just kind of, I don't want to say like feeling guilty, but just feeling like there has to be a way that we can do something. And, you know, came up with this idea around collaborating with Green uh, Green Top. And it was like, it took a second for us to, um, connect the dots and like make sure that, you know, it's something that we can make happen. You know, you never want to launch one of these campaigns and then like not have the infrastructure to actually like serve people and deliver what you promised. So 
it took us a second to get all the pieces in place. But, you know, once we did and we were able to go live, um, I've felt a feeling that I, you know, I don't think that I get that feeling on any project and not to downplay any of our projects because I love our, our work and I really enjoy everything that we do. But like when you're giving back and doing something that isn't really tied to anything financial and you're just doing it because you know it's the right thing to do, like mm-hmm. that is, you know, a unmatched feeling. And I think that's something that I wish we did more of, you know, I, like I, I want us to do more of and I think that uh, we will definitely do more of. So I think it's one of those things that um, it's always something I valued. And I think I'm first getting to the point where I am fortunate enough where I have, you know, the network or the connections to be able to actually like make stuff happen. Whereas, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, we could have launched this and it wouldn't have been as successful or I wouldn't have known I wouldn't have had a friend who runs, you know, uh, a farm to table catering company that was able to have the infrastructure to cook up these meals and, you know, handle the the um, generous donations that we were able to source and make, you know, get these these meals to the nonprofits that need them. So it's one of those things that, like, I'm grateful that we're able to make this stuff happen. And I hope, you know, that only grows as we grow and that we're able to have a bigger um impact or effect on you know the community like my my goal would be this is like you know the first of and not to say there's a first but you know this is is you know we're, we're just jumping off and we're just starting like i very much feel that the studio um in general is i don't want to say like infant stage but we're like in our young you know youth stage where we're you know first growing up and and figuring out i feel we have a good sense of who we are, but I feel there's still, you know, a ton of room in terms of like development and improvement. And that's the type of stuff that I think excites me and definitely excites, you know, the rest of the team and um, looking forward to, you know, continuing to develop. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, Yeah. I guess that would be like a good segue into just kind of this last point of like, it's, it's, it's so interesting to see like where, you know, things shape up during the formative years, which I think is kind of like what you're describing now, but is there like a long-term hope or goal for the future of the studio? Or is it kind of like, uh, I guess we'll just keep doing things until it feels right or until it doesn't feel right. You know, kind of like what you're saying at your last job. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely not that. Um, this something special studios is, you know, something that I plan to do for the rest of my life, you know, and I definitely hope that we continue to progress at the rate that we have. And, um, in terms of like an end goal, it's really to continue to develop our team. And um, I feel that, you know, in the development of our team and the studio, we're going to continue to put out, you know, great work. And it's uh, my goal with the company is definitely not to build, um, you know, this huge agency that's, it's almost the opposite of that. I, I want us to, continue to to grow as it makes sense and to be driven by quality and not like just quantity and that like it's not we're not like we don't have like a financial goal that we're just like we need to do whatever we need to do to get to that number it's not like that at all it's very much i'd rather make less and do work that we're more proud of and you know i think that that will result in eventually us making more so it's um it's very much one of those things that I want us to, I think we're, 
we're doing what, you know, I set out to do. And I think and, and the team set out to do. And I think that it's, it's continuing um, in the same lane that we are, but hopefully, you know, being able to accelerate. And it's one of those things that like, as we come out of, you know, every year, I feel like we grow stronger and stronger. And I think that eventually we'll hit like a point where it starts to grow exponentially, where we're able to like really make moves just because, you know, like I said, kind of like a minute ago, our network and, you know, just the capabilities have grown. So the difference that, you know, we're able to make or, you know, the, the services that we're able to provide to a client um, are, we're able to just provide more, you know? So um, yeah, that's kind of the answer. I wouldn't, it, there's, there's definitely no, like, I want to be a hundred, you know, 200 person agency. It's, it's really not that. I, I want to be able to look at everybody on the team and know that they're super talented and doing what they're supposed to be doing and uh, feel good about, you know, our, uh, you know, the work that we do together, but also the work that we do with our collaborators. And um, yeah, it's like that, there's that quote, like the, the uh, award of doing good work is more work. It's, it's one of those things that like, I very much just want us to continue to put out quality work and, and get better and be able to, you know, enhance all of our services. So like, you know, spoke to like spatial design, like where we were, you know, 12 months ago or 18 months ago, I think has grown, you know, tenfold in the last year. And then it's like graphic design, same thing. It's like, you know, I'm seeing different departments, you know, in the studio and we're small. I'm saying departments, it's like, you know, seven people, it's not huge, but you know, the different um, services that we're able to provide have, we're, we're expanding on and developing. And that's something that, you know, I want to see us continue to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best feeling to like, look back even just six months or a year ago and know that you're like 10 times better now than what you were then. And to think that you just had like these ideas and goals, you're like, man, hopefully we're doing this one day. And you're, and then you wake up one day and you're actually doing those things is I think like the reason that I think that's like what keeps us getting out of bed every morning as well is like, man, this is, this is just awesome. This is like the best feeling ever. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Definitely exciting times ahead and, and feels good to, you know, hear from you as well, because oftentimes we we're kind of in our own little bubble, you know, with our head head down working. Um, but, you know, there's other people, you know, even you you're on the other side of the country, but, you know, you, you're going through it as well. And and I think um, I hope, you know, we're we're right there with you, you know, 10 years from now, because um, I think there's still a lot of, of work left to be to be done and some of the best work is um ahead of us yeah i hope so absolutely um yeah it's exciting cool man well um thanks again for jumping on uh we we had like a i think we had a good time i think this felt very like i don't know in a practical sense it felt very like man these guys are going through like a lot of the same battles that we are um in a lot of ways and i think you guys are a few years ahead of us but hopefully we, we have a similar story to share in a few years from now but cool cool man well thank you guys Thanks, Michael. Thanks again for listening to the Mouthwash Podcast. For more information, you can follow us on social media or check us out at mouthwash.com.